we are in a new collection of sermons called But God. Throughout life, we find ourselves very often in difficult seasons, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the trial. In fact, many of you are there right now. But the encouraging thing about the gospel is that for every difficulty that we face in life, there is a but God. That God meets us in the very place of our pain, but he doesn't leave us there. He leads us out. And so last week we talked about how many of us are weary and tired in this season and that God meets us in our weariness and gives us strength and gives us rest. And so we're going to continue that today. It's funny that I preached about being weary and tired last Sunday because following that sermon, I had probably the hardest week, not just of 2020, but in the last few years that I've ever had. And this week, for some reason, everything just caught up to me. And it wasn't just tiredness. I was completely overwhelmed by all the work that I had to do, the ministry that I had to do, as well as everything going on in our nation. And I found found myself in the middle of the week here in this living room, in the dark, in the middle of the night, on this couch, just crying, just breaking down, realizing I am so, so overwhelmed, and I couldn't do a single thing. In fact, the next day, we just had to take it off, and I just rested and regathered my strength, but, but I felt so overwhelmed this week, and it finally caught up to me. And I imagine that many of you are feeling the exact same thing. And I don't tell you this story so that you would pity me or that you feel sorry for me or for anything like that. But I just want you to know, I know exactly what you're going through. I'm there with you. And I think many of us in this season are feeling so overwhelmed, overwhelmed by work, the endless projects and deadlines and things that we're responsible for. For some of us, we're overwhelmed transitioning between jobs, anxious about what's next. We're overwhelmed by our relationships. For some of you, you've been sheltered in place with your family and with roommates, and maybe it's been hard for you. You've been so overwhelmed trying to navigate that. I I imagine a lot of us are overwhelmed by the injustices of our world, that there's so much evil and racism that continues to this day, and it doesn't seem to be letting up. Or maybe many of you are just overwhelmed by life and you don't even know why. I think it's important to recognize when we're overwhelmed because if we don't realize that there's a problem, we don't realize how much we need God in that area. Um, Maybe some signs that I wanted to share when you're overwhelmed to see that maybe are there any of you here that resonate with this and maybe you're overwhelmed, you don't even know it. But some of the signs that you're overwhelmed are you have trouble sleeping, and so you're restless. Um, You have lack of energy or motivation, anxiety and stress, loss of appetite or overeating. I mean, y'all obviously know which side of the spectrum I fall on that one. Obviously, loss of appetite. I don't know what you guys were thinking. Um, So maybe loss of appetite or overeating, difficulty focusing, Emotional instability, isolation, numbness. Come on, how many of you can resonate with at least one of these? I resonate with a lot of these. And I think the difficult thing is when we're overwhelmed, we know that we can't just stop life. There are bills that need to be paid. There are people who are in need. There are fights that need to be fought, especially right now. The church needs to engage in the fight for racial injustice. But... 
But some of us are feeling so overwhelmed and so tired and over our heads. But we realize we can't just stop life. But I believe that there is a but God when we're feeling overwhelmed. That God wants to meet us in the middle of it all and carry us through. And so today that's what we're going to be talking about. The title of my sermon is I Was Overwhelmed But God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and meet us in this place? I know many of us are feeling overwhelmed by work, by life, by responsibilities, by injustice. But God, I thank you that there is a but God for this very moment. And so would you meet us in this place and would you carry us through? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we talked about tired Jesus and how we often don't remember that Jesus got tired too. And I think it's surprising to many of us when we realize that Jesus got overwhelmed as well. In Matthew 26, 38, Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Woo, come on. Can anyone amen that? How many of you have ever felt that or are feeling that right now? My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Listen, we have a savior that was overwhelmed too. This was the moment right before he was going to get arrested and he knew what was coming. And so he gathered a few friends, a few disciples, went up to the mountains and prayed, spent time before God. And this is what he says. My soul is so overwhelmed. And some biblical accounts record that Jesus was so overwhelmed that he was sweating blood. Listen, you thought you were stressed? Listen, Jesus is carrying the weight of the world's sin on his shoulder, and he's about to get arrested. He's about to get beaten and brutalized, worse than anything that most of us have ever known. He's about to get whipped, humiliated, spit upon, despised and mocked and killed in one of the most painful and gruesome ways by being crucified on the cross. And Jesus was overwhelmed. And in this moment of being overwhelmed, Jesus decides to go to the Father. Now, I think a lot of us would imagine as Jesus goes to dad, as he's overwhelmed, he would pray something like, Father, give me strength to do thy bidding or get me ready for the task or pump me up, God, because I'm ready to do this thing. I don't know why Jesus had that accent. It's just in my mind. But a lot of us imagine that Jesus would have prayed something like that. What does Jesus actually pray? If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, he's saying, Dad, if there's any way I don't have to do this, if there's any way I don't have to face this, would you please, please, please pull me out? And isn't that how many of us pray when we find ourselves in the middle of a trial, in the middle of the storm, completely 
overwhelmed. God, if it's possible, would you please make this thing go away? God, if it's possible, could you pull me out of the storm? God, if it's possible, could you please change all the crappy circumstances around me? God, if you can, can you please pluck me from 2020 and drop me way out in the future in 2021, 2022, 2030, when things are a little less dramatic? Please, when the world is better, can you pluck me from the world and all that I'm facing? And would you make it go away? I mean, wouldn't it be great if the things that are causing you heartache or frustration or pain, like God could just snap it away? But here's the thing. God never promised us that he would take us out of the storm. In fact, he guaranteed the very opposite. He said, I guarantee you. Get ready because you are going to face storms and hardships and trials and things that you feel completely overwhelmed by. And he never promised us that he would take us out of the storm, but he did promise that he would take us through. He never promised to take away the suffering, but he said, I'm going to take us through. I'm not going to pull you out of the trial. I'm going to pull you through. And I think, a lot of us are waiting. A few, a few years ago, I preached this message about helicopter Jesus. And a lot of us are waiting for helicopter Jesus. This beautiful illustration by Judah Smith that when we pray, when we're in the middle of the storm, we're crying out to helicopter Jesus to come swoop in, drop down the ladder, and pull us out of that storm. But in the Bible, there is no record of a helicopter Jesus. I mean, not just the words, but the concept. You get what I'm saying. But the Bible actually describes Jesus as the anchor for our hope. And so we're crying out to helicopter Jesus to take us out of the trial, take us out of the storm, take us out of being overwhelmed. But he's anchored Jesus. That in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial, we are anchored to the unmovable rock of the ages. So even when the winds blow and the seas rage, we will not be swept away. We have to remember that he is not helicopter Jesus. He is anchor Jesus. And the thing about God is this. God works often things from the inside out. And before he calms the storms around us, he calms the storm within us. And maybe right now there's a lot of storms going on around you in your life, but God wants to calm the storm within you first. See, the thing is this, when God calms the storm within us, we, we, we carry the authority to calm the storms around us. And I think that's what God is doing in this very hour. You see, the Father did not take the cup away from Jesus. The cup of suffering, the cup of hardship, the cup of pain. And maybe right now we're asking God the same question that Jesus asked. God, if it's in your will, could you take this cup from me? Could you take this trial from me? Could you take this wilderness season from me? Could you take this hardship from me? Because I'm in over my head and I'm completely overwhelmed. But God's saying, my promise is not that I'm going to pull you out. But I am going to pull you through. And here's why this is important right now. Why am I preaching about rest 
and about being anchored in God when there's so much going on in our world. Because right now, I'm more concerned with the church finishing the race than simply starting it. Because anyone could start a race, but few people finish it. And our fight for racial justice is not just a sprint. It's a marathon. Things are not going to change tomorrow or the next week or the next month. This is a marathon that we are fighting and we have to keep on fighting. We cannot disengage, especially right now. We have to continue our pursuit of racial justice. Listen, church, I want you to know I've resolved in my heart that I will not confirm the doubts of our black brothers and sisters in this hour that when the trends die, when this stops continuing to be prevalent on social media, that our zeal dies along with it. We must keep on fighting. But hear me, church, we cannot do this without God. We cannot do this apart from him. This past few weeks, I've been reading about the history of the church's complicity with slavery in America throughout history, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. You know, even reading about a huge section of the American church that were fighting for their right to continue owning slaves. This is the church we're talking about. Christians were fighting, putting their lives on the line just so they could preserve their right to continue enslaving African Americans. And it was heartbreaking to realize that actually not much has changed. That even right now, there is a huge population of Americans, many of which who profess to be Christians, who are fighting to keep up statues and flags that symbolize oppression. That are fighting so much harder for their right to have statues and flags that symbolize oppression up than fighting for very lives of our black brothers and sisters. And it's heartbreaking to see the church in history complicit with slavery, but also participating in it. But it also made me see something extraordinary that I never thought about before. And it's this, that African Americans have a strength that we have never known because we never had to. You know, this past Friday, we celebrated Juneteenth. And just to be completely transparent and honest, I never even heard of Juneteenth. I never even knew what Juneteenth was until this year. It shows us how flawed our, our educational system is. But this past Friday, for those of you don't, who don't know, is June 19th, also known as Juneteenth. And for those of you that don't know, the Emancipation Proclamation was announced in 1863, abolishing slavery. But slavery continued on um, in states that were were still under Confederate control, and it wasn't until 1865, about two years later, that those slaves were finally freed. And, And get this, others still waited years and decades, even after that, waiting for their liberation. And I realize that even today, that there are black brothers and sisters that are still pressing on for their freedom. That although the institution of slavery might have been abolished, there are still other ways that our black brothers and sisters are oppressed here in America. And they're still fighting. They're still pressing for freedom. Made me realize I know about waiting and fighting for a few days, maybe a few weeks, maybe even a few months or years. But what do I know about waiting and fighting for generations? 
Imagine tracing your lineage back centuries if your ancestors fighting for the very thing you're still fighting for to this day, fighting and waiting. And it made me realize something, that our black brothers and sisters are stronger than we may ever know, that they've been fighting for generations and they have not let up. And I know right now it's so easy to think, oh, we have to come to the aid of our black brothers and sisters because they're so tired and they're so weak. No, they're stronger than we'll ever know. They've been continuing the fight for generations and now it's time that we stand with them. And I think one of the most important things I'm seeing in history in my studies is that African-Americans had to lean on God throughout the generations. Listen, the black church has stronger faith than we may ever know. They have been leaning on God, waiting for their liberation from generation to generation. How many of us could say that we have been fighting and believing for generations? And it made me realize something. There's a difference between fighting in the flesh and fighting in the spirit. Fighting in the flesh is all about leaning on my own strength, my own effort, my own work. But fighting in the spirit is all about anchoring ourselves to the unmovable rock. It's about drawing life from the one who never runs dry. It's about being strengthened by our source. And I think right now, Christians, we need that source. It means we cannot let up in doing the work But we have to remember we're on a different operating system than the world. As we move forward, we need to be a church that's anchored in God. As we pursue justice, we have to be anchored in God and not only in our own strength. I know many of us are feeling overwhelmed right now. And maybe it's not just the injustices. Maybe it's not just the things that you've been learning and absorbing about racial injustice. Maybe it's not just the work being so busy. Maybe it's not just the pandemic. Maybe it's compounding things that are overwhelming us. But hear me, church. When we're overwhelmed by life, we must become overwhelmed by God. That the answer to being overwhelmed in life is to be so overwhelmed by the presence of God, by the grace of God, by the peace of God, by the joy of God, by the love of God. And right now, for many of us who are overwhelmed, we need to be overwhelmed instead by the rock of ages, the unmovable one. See, I really believe that right now God is activating the church to play a vital role in everything going on in this world. But we can't do that unless we learn to lean in on him. We cannot show up tired and defeated and hopeless. We cannot show up anxious. There has to be something different about us. We have to show up as light. But we can't do that when we're overwhelmed. And so we have to lean in on the one who is never overwhelmed. We have to lean in on God. So today I want to follow the example in the model of Jesus that when Jesus was overwhelmed, this is what he did. And there's two ways that Jesus responded to his soul being completely overwhelmed. And there's nothing profound about these two things, but they're so simple. But I really believe that if we could tap into these two things when we're feeling overwhelmed, 
we'll see a new strength, a new life that we've never tapped into before. So the first thing is this. When Jesus was overwhelmed, Jesus went to his father, went to his daddy. Psalm 61.2, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, what the rock is, is an elevated rock. It's, some even say it might have been the mountain, that when below you only see in part, but when you go to the rock that is higher than I, you can see a brand new perspective. See, the rock gives us a higher perspective. Rainbows. I learned about rainbows, okay? You ready to hear what I learned about rainbows? When we view a rainbow from the ground, we're actually only seeing a part of that rainbow. We might see an arch. We might see a half of a rainbow or maybe even a quarter. But did you know that if you were to fly above into the air and look down upon a rainbow, you would see a circle? In other words, when we're on the ground, we only see a part. But when we, when we get a higher vantage point, we automatically see the full picture. The prophet speaks the words of God in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, he has the whole picture. He has a vantage point that we on the ground cannot see. But when we go to the rock that is higher than us, he takes us and shows us his vantage point, his perspective. Let me ask you a question. You ever go through a season and wondered, why God? Why am I going through this? Why is everything the way that it is? Like, why? But after the season, you look back and you say, oh, that's what you were doing. That's why I had to go through that. See, God His ways are higher. He has a vantage point that is different from what we see. So we need to go to the rock that is higher. When we are feeling overwhelmed, overwhelmed by work, overwhelmed by life, overwhelmed by the injustices of the world, we have to get a godly perspective. And one of the most reassuring things I call to remembrance consistently is this. God's not freaking out right now. He is not panicking. You might have heard the story before, but growing up, I was terrified of thunderstorms and lightning storms. And there was one night where the power went out in our house, and I was terrified because the thunder was literally rattling the walls. The lightning was so bright. And I remember running to my dad, and one of the most reassuring, comforting things was to look upon his face and see that he was not panicked, that he was not worried. And I think right now when we're overwhelmed, when we run to the rock that is higher than I and see through his perspective, we see a father, we see a rock who is not freaking out, who is not panicked. And he may be crying with us in pain. He may be angry with us in our frustration, but he's not panicking. He's not worried. He's not freaking out. Why? Because his ways are higher than ours. And so we need to tap into his perspective. I think in many ways, the world is leading the forefront in social justice. But I tell you what, there's something that the church brings to the table, brings to the movement, brings to the march that the world doesn't have. It's perspective 
from the rock that is higher than I. You see, one of the most powerful things about the civil rights movement is that it was led by a man of God. MLK Jr. was a preacher man. And the civil rights movement was so impactful, I believe, because it had a prophetic edge. In other words, it wasn't just man-made ideas or thoughts about justice. It was God's heart and voice expressed for justice. And maybe the one thing our modern-day social justice movement is missing is that prophetic edge, the perspective of God, the prophetic declarations of freedom that have been decreed before we were even born. In other words, what is God saying in all of this? What is God doing? We need that prophetic edge in our modern-day social justice movement. We need to go to the rock that is higher than I And so how do we do this? Because I know y'all love practical things. I'm going to teach you an exercise, and we've actually shared this exercise with many of you in our counseling, but it's so powerful. It's changed and transformed my life. It's a simple one. It's called truth and lies. When we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling tired and weary, sit down, grab a piece of paper, grab your phone, grab an iPad, And just write down everything that you're thinking, everything that you're feeling, everything that you're experiencing. Just write it down in a list and make two categories, truths and lies. And I want you to go through that list and whatever is a lie, I want you to put it in that box of lies. Whatever is truth, you could leave there. And as you go through that list of lies, what you're going to do is say, God, I want your perspective on this. What is the truth? Maybe right now you're struggling with the lie that I'm alone. No one understands what I'm going through. Maybe the truth that God wants you to write out is that you are not alone, that he's Emmanuel, God with us. Not only that, there are people that understand what you're going through. Maybe the lie might be I am useless or I am unseen or forgotten. Maybe God's saying you are chosen. You are seen. I run to you with open arms. And so write out whatever those lies are and write the corresponding truths. You cannot imagine how powerful this exercise is. Maybe many of you are thinking, oh, no brainer, of course. But in the middle of the storm, in the middle when we're overwhelmed, it's hard to identify what are lies and truths. And so as we sit down and go to the rock that is higher than us, we ask for his godly perspective over everything that we're thinking, feeling, and experiencing. And so we must go to the Father. We must go to the rock that is higher and get his perspective. And so Jesus, when he was overwhelmed, he went to his Father. But the second, I love it, is so simple, so easy, is that Jesus went to his friends. He didn't go up to the mountain alone. In fact, he grabbed a few disciples. He grabbed a few homies, a few friends. He went up together with them and he says, stay here and keep watch with me. And I think a lot of us, we, we pay attention to the part of the story where, okay, but all of them fell asleep, right? And they, they let Jesus down. But I think the fact that they got up in the middle of the night and went with Jesus up to a mount, went up a mountain to pray with him says something. And I think some of us right now need a friend to stay right next to us. Someone who's looking out for us, someone who's checking in on us, taking care of us, someone who would stay here and keep watch with us. 
And I think one of the healthiest things we can do when we're feeling overwhelmed is to invite a life-giving presence into our lives. This week when I was feeling overwhelmed, um, I was out here in the middle of the night, in the dark, just I could not stop crying here on this couch. Uh, the part of the story that I didn't tell you is that Krista and I were actually in the middle of an argument, too, at the same time. And so all of those things were just overwhelming me. The fight had not been resolved. But as I was there in the middle of the night crying, Krista saw that I was hurting. And at that moment for her, it wasn't about being right or wrong or being in a fight. She came to me and she embraced me. And she comforted me. She stayed with me and kept watch with me. In fact, she's the one that actually said, all right, tomorrow we're not going to do any work. We're going to take it off. Um, She took me to the North Bay. We got some oysters. We had a really fun day of rest. We watched movies here in the living room. And she just stayed with me and kept watch with me. And in that moment, yes, I needed the father. But I also needed a friend. And maybe many of you right now, you need that friend. And maybe right now you're feeling overwhelmed and your natural inclination is to isolate and disconnect. But church, you have to fight that. And you have to run to your friends and say, can you stay here with me? Can you keep watch with me? Can you listen to everything that I'm feeling? Can you, can you tell me something uplifting? Can you encourage me? Can you take me out to get my mind off things? Can you do Something, can you stay here with me and keep watch with me? And so when Jesus was overwhelmed, he went to his father and he went to his friends. And so this week, church, I imagine many of you are feeling overwhelmed. Let's be intentional about going to the father, going to the rock that is higher and saying, can you give me your perspective? And maybe some of you might do the truths and lies exercise. Maybe some of you just need to sit with him. But we go to the rock that is higher than I. But number two, I want you to pursue community. If you're feeling overwhelmed this week, invite someone into that part of your life and say, can you stay here and keep watch with me? Can you pray for me? Can you listen to me? Can you just sit here with me? And I really believe that as we're feeling overwhelmed, there is a but God because we need to keep going church. Life is continuing to move on. The fight for racial injustice is continuing to move on. But we need a church that knows how to be anchored in the rock and be unmovable and unshakable, even when we feel overwhelmed. Why don't we pray? God, I just want to speak to every heart that is feeling overwhelmed. And I just feel this increasing conviction that right now is a but God moment. God, for everyone who's feeling overwhelmed by life, by work, by the injustices of this world, by their relationships, just by 2020 in general, God, I pray that first you would meet them right now in that place. God, I I thank you that you never promised us that you would remove us from the storm, from the trial, but you would take us through. God, right now, would you speak to all those who are overwhelmed? 
Would you remind them that you are the rock that is higher, that even though we only see in part, there is a bigger picture that you have view of, and you want to take us to that rock and show us that you are not freaking out, that you are not panicking, that you are still very much in control. And so, God, would you speak to our overwhelmed hearts? Would you renew us? Would you ground us? Would you fill us with your rest and with your strength? And God, I pray this week that we would be a community that not just speaks good things and says community is great, it's needed, it's vital, but that we would actually demonstrate it in action. This week, let action be our love language. Let us pursue one another. Let us love one another. Let us invite people into the very places of our pain in the very places where we're overwhelmed. Let us be the church that you've called us to be. And finally, God, I pray more than anything that as we're feeling overwhelmed and as we anchor ourselves in the rock, that we would find new strength to continue moving forward. Because our country, our world needs the church at this very hour to be part of the conversation, to be part of the movement, to be part of the action and pursuing your justice in our world. So renew us, God. Give us strength. Give us rest. We are overwhelmed. But God, you are here, and you're moving us through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.